Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here. Welcome to another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. Delighted to be with you today, along with um, our parents who join us on this program. I think we have, oops, they called in and I just got rid of them. Here we go. I think we have Jennifer with us. How are you, Jennifer? You I haven't done this in a long time. <laughs> Yes, it said, thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, exactly. Uh, that's what happens when you click on the red X instead of the microphone on the, ah. in the dashboard. <laughs> but here we are. Oops. Stella, welcome again. Good morning. You guys have to forgive me. I'm a little rusty at this. I don't think I've done this in a very long time. You might have to tell me how to do it again. We'll see. <laughs> Well, we're glad to have you. <laughs> Grown-ups do well um, if they can, you, you know. <laughs> uh, Grown-ups do well if they can. That's right. Radio program hosts do well if they can. Um, thank you for the reminder. Um, so uh, this is our last program of 2019. It's the holidays. Um, that always makes life interesting for parents of challenging kids. Um, so we have lots to talk about today. We also have some emails to respond to, and we also, I'm sure, are going to have time for some callers. So if people would like to call in, today's a good day to do it. The number is 347-994-2981 and press 1. Um, you both were at the Lives in the Balance Summit, um, weren't you? Yes. Yes, we were. <laughs> what a wonderful did you think? Day. I'd love to get your... I'm glad you had a wonderful day. What uh, what was wonderful about it? Just to make everybody who wasn't there jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say I have been I have carried Charity Bell's talk in the forefront of my mind since we got home, um, and have she was talking about Dan Siegel's model of the brain and using her hand and talking about where your level is of calm and it has proved very useful over the past couple weeks since we got home and uh, I'm so glad that I got to hear her and of course hearing Dr. Bettina Love was amazing as well she's always worth hearing plus I got to play with Stella Hopkins too <laughs> there you go well I, um, yeah, I you got to 100%. all the players were there sorry so I'll go ahead. all the players <laughs> no that's fine um ditto Jennifer I I've been holding everything that both Dr. Love and Charity said and just I I don't think I've even started to digest you know the a good portion of what was said I'm still reviewing my notes <laughs> so <laughs> Me but too. it was it was inspiring, and I think um, everybody that's listening to this program that's feeling a little bit like, ah, oh, I missed out, I think you need to put next year's summit date into your calendar and start making plans to go to Portland. Um, that's Friday, November 13th, 2020, correct? 
Um, you that's, know what? I don't have these things committed us. to memory, but I'm looking. <laughs> yep. I Hold remember, on. I remember I'm she said that, that it was Friday the 13th, so that right. would be easy to remember. <laughs> right. That's right. Right. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it's, it is an incredible day of being surrounded by like-minded individuals and up-and-coming like-minded and like-minded individuals and mm-hmm. the you know i remember last year at summit thinking um there's no way that this keynote speaker and that was julie coston last year um could ever outdo dr green's keynote from the year before and and julie just knocked it out of the park last year and i remember coming into this one wow everyone's attention is- for two and a half hours yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable. And then this year, the same thing. I just thought, okay, these are going to be good keynote speakers, but, you know, how can they outdo what I've heard before? And absolutely, the standard just keeps moving forward, and I'm, I'm a better human being for it. So thank you. Uh, we're glad. We're always uh, excited to bring in people with points of view that are uh, consistent with collaborative and proactive solutions and how we think kids should be treated. And um, the more folks we can bring in who think that way, the better. Um, yeah. We've already and, begun and planning if, next year's summit. Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say that I also saw that the dates for next year's New England Children's Mental Health Conference have been set. And I know that I have... I've had the wonderful opportunity to be there the past two times. Uh, it happens to happen in the town right next to mine, so I'm lucky in that regard. Um, that does make it easier. It, and those dates are October 22nd and 23rd. And it's it's we had talked with Liz at Lives in the Balance at one point because of CEU issues. It's very much marketed towards uh, educators and clinicians, but don't parents, if you're hearing this and you're interested and you can do it, don't let that dissuade you. You will get just as much out of that as well. It's it's well worth your time if you have the opportunity. Yeah. Great. Um, and we have some great speakers coming in for that as well. As I was going to say, we've already begun planning the 2020 summit, which is our 10th anniversary summit. Hard to believe wow. that we've been doing the Lives in the Balance annual summit for 10 years, and it what? is going to focus more on our advocacy efforts, and we want to highlight the people out there who are creating change in their communities and their mm. states so mm. that um, Maybe 10 years from now, we won't still have to be talking about kids getting paddled at school and kids being restrained and secluded um, at school or in treatment facilities. And maybe, maybe this, this is probably a 20-year plan, um, <laughs> suspension and detention and expulsion will be a thing of the past. Um, yeah. But uh, that's our goal is to bring people together so that um, – they can connect with people from their regions and put their heads together and their energies together and see if we can together create change out there. Um, that's the goal. Yeah. What I like best about Charity's talk is uh, at the summit was that a lot of it was focused on self-care, and that's a yeah. very good um, thing for parents and educators to be focused on because 
even when you have well-behaved kids, sometimes it's easy to lose track of yourself um, and get burned out. But that you are especially vulnerable to that if you have a kid yeah. with uh, social, emotional, and behavioral challenges. And I know, Jennifer, that that is something you work with and think about quite a bit. Um, maybe we yes, can talk about that a little bit here at the beginning today. <laughs> words, words of wisdom for the holidays, because the holidays are already particularly stressful time of year for parents. Um, they really are. What are you thinking along those lines these days? Well, you know, I, like I, I said to you and Stella and Kim by email the other day, there, December brings with it and the holiday season brings with it all of our normal day-to-day expectations. And then it brings along this whole special set of holiday expectations. And because they're things that we don't deal with very often, a lot of times they're, they're, they're unconscious expectations, and stress can fly really high, really fast, and leave you without very much bandwidth, leave you with very few spoons. <laughs> um, and it's a wonderful time to practice proactive plan C. <laughs> Uh, you know, if, if you don't have to do it right then, think about saying ahead of time, you know what, we're not going to worry about this right now. We're going to just concentrate on these other things. Um, we at some point looked at all of our holiday commitments, figured mm. out which ones were most important, and cut out the rest because we mm. didn't want to set ourselves up to fail. So it's a wonderful time to practice that a little bit and give yourself the grace of saying no. To not not to your kids. <laughs> I don't mean you know saying no there, but saying no to adding extra things on. So. And of course, this is the time of year where we add on almost um, irresponsibly. Um, and forget that we've got this kid in our brood who, um, for whom add-ons, um, are quite challenging and sounds to me like a very good recipe for sort of ruining the holidays. Um, just what, what, what kinds of things did you tend to eliminate that were unnecessary? Um, if I can, uh, Family shopping trip. (laughs) You know, there's Mm. no reason that we all have to go shopping together (laughs) at all. (laughs) It it, it never goes well, and you know, or it didn't. Now I think we could probably do it, but when we eliminated it, it was there was just no chance that it was going to end in holly jolly anything. (laughs) Um, You seem to be saying that uh, the holiday spirit is not necessarily going to cure a kid's social, emotional, and behavioral challenges, even if the parents are caught up in the holiday spirit. Very true. (laughs) We also decorated less, Um, you know, enough that the the holidays are evident in the house, but not so much that it stressed us out, and that made a huge difference. And we made the one thing a day rule. Which we actually practice year-round, not just during the holidays. But if there's already something scheduled that day, we don't add something else onto that 
because That's one brilliant. thing a day is really all we can handle. <laughs> for, so. for us, it was meals, holiday meals, the expectation that well-dressed children will sit quietly at a table that has, you know, iron tablecloths and napkins and goblets, and everyone oh. will eat everything <laughs> um, and, and quiet, and the conversation will be, you know, back and forth and generous without yelling or uncomfortable moments. And that was, <laughs> that was one of the first adjustments that I made when I started really listening to um, not only my explosive child, but also my implosive child. And we went from having uh, full course traditional holiday meals placed on the center of the table um, to basically a buffet style, family style, eat when you're ready <laughs> to win. Um, I let I turned the decorating of the table and the setting of the table to the two boys and let them set it wherever they place the napkins and wherever they place the forks and knives without, you know, and, and I really, it, it worked so well for um, those years that we did that. And everybody got to choose one entree to be on the buffet. So this is how we'd end up with turkey, crab legs, and pepperoni pizza. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a wonderful meal. <laughs> It sounds to me like what both of you are talking about is a uh, consistent theme in the CPS model, and that is being responsive to the hand you've been dealt. Um, yep. You know, so often we have a certain vision, uh, not only of who we think our kid is and what we were hoping he or she would be like, but also about what the holidays are and what we were thinking those should look like. And sometimes, mm -hmm. you know what, if you have a kid with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges, things are not going to look the way you had envisioned. But if you're being responsive to the hand you've been dealt, you're going to have a much happier holiday season than if you're trying to get your kid to look like something he or she is not, or if yeah, you're okay. trying to fulfill a vision of the holidays that your family just may not be built for. How do you guys... Yeah. Um, how did you guys deal with that in terms of, um, you know, I think a lot of people go into the holidays thinking, here's what it should be like. Uh, we should do this, <laughs> this number of people we should visit, these, this number of presents, this number of decorations, this number of activities. Here's what we're going to do all together as a family because the holidays are family time. How do you get past your vision uh, and move on to a vision that makes a whole lot more sense for your family and your kid. Practice. <laughs> yeah. Trial and error. It, yeah. It 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 wasn't an instantaneous thing, and that's nope. you know what a lot of times people we find in the B team come in and they say, well. That's good, but I need to fix this right now. <laughs> and we say, you know, CPS is not an, a quick fix, but it's worth it. It's not easy, especially in the beginning. It's, it goes very counterintuitive to the way that a lot of us have been parenting up until then, but the end result is really, really worth it. Yeah, and I... I I really feel like the application of the 
aspects of the model that you can sink your teeth into and put into place in your household and kind of keep track of, oh, that works, and this one needs, still needs a little bit more tweaking. And, you know, that this whole idea of self-care and um, self-compassion, you know, is kind of balanced, in my view, with the ability to self-evaluate and and take stock um, of, of of those kind of picture-perfect ideas for the holidays, like, okay, that's, that's really ridiculous. I remember hating having, you know, to, to do this as a kid too. So why is it that I'm insisting on that? And there's, there's a good bit of kind of soul searching and, and mapping out how much of this am I forcing um, into play here? And, you know, um, so, and once that balance is kind of struck and you get, you talk with your other family members. And I remember the first holiday where, I had family in at the house from out of town, um, and I said, you know what, we're going to try this year. If if you don't want to get out of your pajamas on this special holiday day, then you don't have to get out of your pajamas. If you want to put on regular clothes, go ahead, but there's no expectation of what you're going to wear. And I had family members that um, commented to me later, like, this is brilliant. Why didn't I ever think of just staying in pajama pants and slippers all day? You know, so um, those kinds of things. And, and for me, it's, it starts with the caretaker saying, okay, I, yeah. I, I have a, a part to play in this. Yeah. I have, have often said that, that being a parent to my child, I, I think probably being a parent in general is like this, but I don't know because I only have the one. <laughs> um, that it's kind of like signing up for an introduction to physics class, and you get there on the first, what you think is the first day, and it turns out that you're somehow signed up for advanced physics, and it's being taught in German, and you have to take the midterm, and you don't speak <laughs> German, and you know nothing about physics. But by the end of the semester, maybe you've picked up a little German, you've picked up a little physics, so that you can take the intro to German and physics class the next time. Uh, that that's sort of it, it's it's learning by fire a lot of times, and unfortunately for most of us, it comes in the process of learning what doesn't work first. Right and giving yourself the grace to say, okay, that was wrong. That didn't work. We're going to do something different now. Great. I love it. I should mention we have a caller. So um, we can go back to the holidays, but callers always take priority on our program. So let's go to our caller, and maybe we'll end by talking about the holidays. But um, from area code 617, you are – about to be on the air. You're on the air. Tell us what's on your mind today. Hi, Liz. It's Carrie. Hi, Jennifer and Stella and Dr. Green. Um, Carrie. I am excited that I finally get to call in because it's a snow day here in Massachusetts, and I'm usually at work, but since I'm home with said kid, I get to actually tune in um, to you guys for a change, which is awesome. Um, But I, and I also... Uh, wanted to echo everything about the summit, which was awesome. Um, 
But I had a question that kind of still lingers that I had hoped to be able to ask at some point when we were in the mix there that day and never really got the chance to. So I thought I would seize the opportunity. And I know I'm speaking for a couple other parents in my kind of cohort, so I'm going to try to do that as well. Um, so the question was about the Zoom here. My son is in a therapeutic school environment, um, nine years old. Has, he's actually doing very well at the moment, better than he has in a long time. And part of that is because I, I proactively with the school, when he got into the school, they seem like they had a really good approach for him in many ways, but they have this kind of system of points and safety dollars and other things like this. And I basically said, I don't want him to have any part of that. I explained why. I said how it was damaging to him. I wasn't going to like take on the whole system at the time because I was a newbie, but I was just like, can we find a way to keep him out of this? And they did, and he has. So I was like, whatever choices there are at the end of the day for whatever earnings, just give him those choices. I don't care about the earnings. Um, and they've respected that. But the question is, I'm trying to, now that we've been there a little longer, and I know other parents, kids are wrestling with this as well, trying to figure out um, – I guess I'm struggling with the school a little bit on why they cling to this so much and how I can kind of advocate more generally against it. Like one of the things they do is like, if you, um, if a kid is, has not completed their work for whatever reason, then they kind of, they see it as a natural consequence. I don't, but to essentially have them stay in for part of recess to complete it. Um, and I'm not sure what the actual um, academic standing behind any of this stuff is. I'm so used to looking up why not to use rewards and consequences. I find myself now trying to look up why do they. Like, what is the argument that has been around for so long in the, in education that says that this is a good thing? Because they kind of argue different strokes for different folks, and this works for some kids and not for others but the system is still there for all. And so I was wondering about your thoughts on that or how to begin to approach that. <clears throat> Does that make well, sense? Well, I think B.F. Skinner gets a great deal of the credit for this. Um, yeah, true. B.F. Skinner said some great things, and I think that um, B.F. Skinner said a lot of things that were true. Um, the, the issue for me is that B.F. Skinner – was doing a lot of his thinking and theorizing before we had all of the research that has accumulated telling us that behaviorally challenging kids are lacking crucial skills. Um, and that has been a game changer. It should have been a game changer for practice. Um, in many places, it has not changed practice as much as it should have. So a lot of places are still primarily focused um, on observable behavior, um, challenging behavior in the case of behaviorally challenging kids, and trying to modify that behavior. And that's where reward and punishment programs come in. Um, so that's where it comes from. The thing about lagging skills is that it helps us focus on another part of what B.F. Skinner said, and that is that challenging behavior occurs under only certain conditions. 
Uh, behaviorally challenging kids aren't challenging all of the time. They're challenging some of the time. When are they challenging? And that, that's really the key here. They're challenging when there are certain expectations they're having difficulty meeting. Those expectations at school are, in my estimation, academic 80 to 85% of the time, social 15 to 20% of the time. Modifying behavior, and by the way, those expectations, we call, in the CPS model, we call them unmet expectations, but we especially call them unsolved problems. Now we've arrived at the fork in the road. We can continue mm-hmm. focusing on the kid's overt behavior, which in the CPS model is simply the way the kid is communicating to us that there are expectations he or she is having difficulty meeting, or we can focus on the expectations the kid is having difficulty meeting because reward and punishment programs don't solve any of those problems. So in the CPS model, we take the, the other fork, and that is we're focused on identifying and solving the problems that are causing the behavior rather than focusing merely on the behavior itself. Now, just one more quick point. When people say that rewarding and punishing is working, uh, for some kids, uh, that could make some sense as it relates to is a reward and punishment program effectively changing a kid's behavior? Sometimes yes. But is a reward and punishment program ever going to solve the problems that are causing that behavior? No. So that fork in the road between focusing on behavior and modifying it versus focusing on the problems that are causing that behavior and solving them, that's a very important fork. And many places haven't taken that fork yet. Um, And they may still be saying that behavior modification strategies are working. They may be working at modifying a kid's behavior. Often they don't, by the way. Uh, they aren't solving any of the problems that are causing that behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like what the best approach is to kind of meet them with this other than just the conversations that I've had with individual staff. I know you talked about at the summit too, like having a, getting an insider and figuring out kind of like who a listening ear and who is the best person to bring it to. Um, but I yeah. kind of keep saying this. I'm like, it's the, aren't we all about this whole school? Their, their piece is for behaviorally challenging kids. That is their focus. And so <laughs> it's kind of like, don't you want to use the evidence-based practice for the exact population you're targeting? <laughs> um, well, confusing now, to me. here's the interesting thing about that. Behavior modification strategies are evidence-based. Um, there's a yeah. large research literature telling us that reward and punishment programs work at modifying a kid's behavior. Now, nothing works for everybody, and the percentages of kids who are actually helped by reward and punishment programs um, are not as impressive as as a lot of folks have been led to believe, but there's enough evidence to say that rewarding and punishing is effective at modifying behavior for people to say that it's evidence-based and that it quote-unquote works. The Achilles heel, mm-hmm. once again, is that it doesn't solve any of the problems that are causing that behavior. And so the real strategy here is um, 
how do we get folks who are very enamored of using adult-imposed consequences to modify a kid's behavior to focus instead on the unsolved problems, the unmet expectations that a kid is having difficulty meeting that are causing that behavior. That's the big challenge. Um, and sometimes that just means sitting down with them and saying, you know, I appreciate all of what you're doing to try to help my child improve his or her behavior. I wonder if we could also take some time to take a look at the expectations he or she is having difficulty meeting that are causing that behavior. Because as best I can tell, while rewarding and punishing may modify the behavior, it's not going to solve any of the problems that are causing that behavior. It would be very helpful to me to know what expectations my child is having difficulty meeting when he's having difficulty behaving, when he's exhibiting behaviors that are not okay in the classroom. Because that would really help me understand what expectations my child is having difficulty meeting. That might take yeah. you a long way if those are things you haven't said already. Yeah, that's that's a good way of framing it. Thank you. Carrie, yeah. there okay. are two two things that occurred to me listening to Dr. Green and one of them is that on the Lives in the Balance website there's an a list of frequently asked questions for teachers about CPS that might be helpful, mm -hmm. uh, and I know that I posted it. Fair, I posted the link fairly recently in the B team. Um, I will bring it back up again so that it, I, it's at the top of the page one more time. Um, and the other thing is that one of the things that I discovered is that people who are stuck in a behavior is the focus mindset seem to have trouble with a lot of times with the phrase lagging skills. <laughs> mm -hmm. They, they don't seem to want to grasp the idea that, that, you know, this is something that could be taught and they say, well, it's more than a lagging skill. A lagging skill is not being able to tie your shoes, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that, I have gifted to a couple people a copy of Dr. Mona Delahook's book, Beyond Behaviors, mm -hmm. because it, seems, it, it tells them the same book. kind of thing, but yeah. in different language that somehow they're more willing to hear in that moment when they haven't had the lens change. Yeah, I think it is. I, I think even for me listening, I have to kind of uh, marinate on it for a while because it, it can feel really muddled. I actually, you know, my son has struggled a lot for a few years and is being most successful right now where he is than he's been in years. So, like, there's a lot of good stuff happening there and a lot of positive approaches that I, I really, you know, laud. I think, um, I think where it often gets tangled up is this you were saying kind of like um, Skinner's behaviorism is, is in the end when if they see a behavior disappear due to in this case it's generally rewards but that can turn into punishments in, in skewed ways but um, if they see a behavior disappear then that's considered a success and I think what Correct. some might say would be um, well you're talking about 
skills and expectations, but if he's now meeting the expectation by not displaying the behavior, then we've solved the problem. You know that what I mean? can get a little muddled if all we're talking yeah. about is behavioral expectations. But we're not actually talking about behavioral expectations. A lot of times people say that, and they're talking about the aftermath of an unsolved problem. See, he's not screaming anymore. Great. Is he meeting the expectation that was causing him to scream in the first place? No. Then what have we really accomplished? Well, I would say, you know what? We have accomplished something. Because at least he's not screaming anymore. But I think we could have killed two birds with the same stone if we'd have focused on the expectation he was having difficulty meeting that was causing him to scream in the first place. That's the key point. And by the way, those expectations are what I've been referring to lately as early. Behavior is late. Mm -hmm. If behavior is just (laughs) the signal that's communicating to us that a kid is having difficulty meeting a certain expectation, then the behavior is late. Modifying the behavior is late. The whole thing is focused on what's late, and this is especially big when we start talking about restraining and secluding kids because that's almost as late as you can get. Yeah, I really liked your cascade diagram that you had with that. Yeah. Thank you. If, If all we're teaching people, staff, how to do is respond when a kid is beginning to exhibit behavior, then we're late. And if we are marketing crisis management strategies as crisis prevention strategies, then we will have people thinking that de-escalating is as early as they can get, when in fact, by the time a kid is escalated, you're already late. An expectation the kid was having difficulty meeting has already caused him to become escalated. So I think that's the... um, tricky part is that people say, yes, well, he's behaving himself now. So he's meeting our expectation. He's meeting your behavioral (laughs) expectation, but he's not meeting yet meeting the expectation that was causing his behavior in the first place. By the way, just a quick story. I don't want to monopolize this, but this came up at a talk I was doing in Denver. Um, A gentleman whose uh, school is actually working with CPS um, raised his hand and he said, doesn't Um, rewarding and punishing teach kids skills and out loud I said here we go again Um, and I know so (laughs) it was okay for me to joke around a little bit I said oftentimes when people are saying that they are teaching skills using rewards and punishment what they're really doing is training replacement behaviors and Jennifer I think you alluded to this a few minutes ago I said tell us what what skill are you teaching this kid that you're talking about said we're teaching him to sit in his chair instead of stand up (laughs) in class. I said, that's a replacement behavior. He said, well, what do you mean by skills? I I said, take a look at the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, and you'll see the skills that I'm talking about. There's a very big difference between training replacement behaviors um, and teaching kids the skills that they are lacking and solving the problems that are causing those behaviors. Those are three completely different things. But often, skill teaching gets confused with um, training replacement behaviors. They are not the same thing. 
It doesn't mean that sometimes teaching replacement behaviors isn't a good thing. It just means that if all we're doing is teaching replacement behaviors, we are not solving any of the problems that are causing the behaviors that needed to be replaced in the first place. That's yeah. the key. Very true. And I think I think what happens, like in this school, I think a lot is that I think they are actually doing a good job of looking at the underlying pieces and and going upstream. But so my argument to them has been like, then this stuff is superfluous. Like, don't bother. Why do you need mm-hmm. it? And they don't necessarily see the differences of entangling that. You know, it's like, a, well, in terms of the outcome is there, so every like the whole package should remain you know what i mean um so yeah you don't need it like if you're doing that piece then it shouldn't matter you don't need that extra add-on after the fact you know and and here's the deal i can't believe this is coming out of my mouth because but here's what i often (laughs) say if it's doing no harm um, if it's not setting your child off and, and by the way Doing no harm is an interest that can be defined in various ways. But if it's not setting your child off, maybe no harm, maybe no big deal. Now, I usually go further than that because I think that if you're using rewarding and punishing and you're replacing intrinsic motivation with extrinsic motivation, then you are doing harm. But at least you're not setting the kid off. So if our definition of doing no harm is not setting the kid off, and if it's doing no, if it's not setting your child off, maybe it's not so tragic. Might not be ideal, might be superfluous, mm-hmm. but it might not mm-hmm. wor- be worth um, getting into it with them about, especially if you feel that they're doing a good mm-hmm. job in many other ways. Mm-hmm. That's the tricky part. Right. Um, if it's doing harm, now we've got a much more interesting discussion to have because it is setting the kid off. And now something that we believe actually isn't accomplishing anything in a positive direction is creating a lot of mess in a negative direction. Now there's much more of a conversation to be had. Yes. Agreed. And opting him out was the best thing I did, which I would not have done, by the way, a couple of years ago had I not kind of been introduced to CPS. Um, because right off the bat, I was like, I'm not, I don't want him to have any part of this. Um, it's been, and it's been good because I've that's I've set that precedent before we even started. So, yeah. There well, you thank have you, it. Carrie. Stella, can or, I, or, can I just uh, Jennifer, jump in here further? for a sec? Yeah, I'm Carrie. Hi. <laughs> um, it was good to see you at Summit. Um, my son, as you know, Carrie is at a therapeutic boarding school currently. And they do have kind of a a system of um, different levels that they achieve to, um, you know, earn different um, uh, freedoms uh, for each each level. And my son, having been a part of the CPS journey for the last several years, started out there saying very clearly to the whole staff, rewards don't work for me. Rewards and punishments don't work for <laughs> my me. My son said the same thing. That's my mom. It doesn't work. That's what he said. <laughs> and but um but in Doctor Doctor Green, this goes to your um if it's not doing any harm, 
sort of thing. But he'll also now on our visits say, well, I'm I'm conflicted because I'm very I, I I feel good that I've gotten to this level, but I know that rewards don't work for me. So it's almost like he's trying to say, I'm waiting for the other shoe to fall, you know, but um, he's, he, he, he is starting to come around in his own language to say things like um, reward. This, this system though is working because I have the right support. You know, he's not yeah. really saying that, but, and I'm making a huge adult assumption, but that's what I hear. It's, it's this, the system is in place, the expectations are in place, um, and he has a team around him and underneath him that um, are there to help him to understand what the process is. And it's not like it's an immediate expectation. Um, so he's, um, it's really fascinating to see this 16-year-old kid that had these very black and white kind of things starting to kind of navigate the shade of gray. Um, and, um, and so, sorry. yeah, go ahead. There are a lot of shades of gray, though, too. Like, I, my understanding and what I've tried to convey, and I think this is CPS consistent, but correct me if I'm wrong, is that um, essentially, you know, people conceive of rewards differently what I've said is like setting a bar, like almost like grade levels, you know, setting a bar that you ultimately reach and giving a kid the tools to reach it. And as long as it takes and as much help as they need and whatever, they never go backwards. They just keep striving for the bar. And then when they reach the bar, they get X, Y, or Z. I don't consider that a reward. I consider that like something that they're driving towards. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, what I've what I've said to his teachers is like that's fine if you want to say like we're really trying to get to here that's an expectation right um, and when you meet this then you can then you you'll be able to do like you said reach the next level or whatever that is whatever that entails but um, as long as there's no timeline on it there's no like hey if you messed up today you're not you're behind or you're not going to get it or something right <laughs> I mean it just gives you something to shoot for like all of us need things to shoot for for me it's my coffee treat you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I mean and they do they do have yeah they let me be clear they do have circumstances where the student would be brought down levels and and that that punishment Mm -hmm. aspect my son is still very much struggling with but um he's he's navigating those waters and um I, you know, if I were in the middle of that, um, it would, it would have a little bit different tinge to it, but I, mm-hmm. now that I am part of a, of a team that, um, is, is coordinating this and is there for him, um, day in, day out, I'm, I'm really, really interested in seeing that, you know, in the next six months, um, how far this goes and, what he is successful with on his own without extra prompting and where, which lagging skills are still, you know, kind of in place and um, that we still need to kind of get at from the um, upstream kind of place. So it's a, it's an interesting journey. It is. (laughs) We, we, Carrie, we thank you for your call. Um, Thank you. You, you helped us have a very interesting discussion here, so we appreciate you calling in. 
glad I could be here today. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Um, and Stella and Jennifer, we are kind of done for now. Um, yeah. <laughs> we've talked about the holidays. We've talked about rewards and punishments. I think we've had our fill for the day. I want to thank everybody who listens into the program, but especially you both for all your efforts uh, in making this program what it is. So thank you very much. Thank Happy you. Happy to be here. <laughs> On that note, let's call it a day for 2020, and um, we'll be back in two. Excuse me, 2019. See, I told you I wasn't used to this. <laughs> let's call it a day for 2019, and we'll be back yep. again in 2020 to keep this going. So, thank you both. Take care. Okay. Thank Bye-bye. you.